Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, let me tell you about Goal Zero. Goal Zero is the leader in affordable generators and home backup systems. They offer a simple, easy solution for when the power blackouts hit, and they're coming this summer. So you can keep your home up and running using clean energy. Their systems power critical circuits in your home, like the freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more, with clean power, no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance, unlike gas generators. Not to mention, Goal Zero is portable, so you can take the power on the go as needed for camping, tailgating, and more. They offer a range of products and affordable price points to meet your needs. From power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or even three days. You can easily monitor and manage your power right from your phone with the Goal Zero app. They offer best-in-class service with a U.S.-based service team that provides the highest level of technical and customer support. It's Goal Zero, right, Gary? Make sure your power stays on with Goal Zero. Learn more at GoalZero.com. Check out their affordable power stations, solar generators, and home backup systems today. It has now been confirmed that all three bodies, John F. Kennedy Jr., his wife, Carolyn, and her sister, Lauren, have been found on the ocean floor off Martha's Vineyard. He was such a nice guy. He was very down to earth with everybody. That's the way he conveyed himself through his life. Even though he had millions and millions of dollars from his parents and the family fortune, he pretty much went about his life like he was just a normal guy and a, a very nice person who wanted to be a success in life. He regularly got threats from unhinged people who apparently wanted to make a name for themselves by hurting him or injuring him or frightening him or whatever. But instead of taking it seriously, he went roller skating in Central Park and in the middle of the night. He was a regular jogger in Central Park. He rode his bicycle all around Manhattan with no guards, with no anything, and uh, exposed himself. He was America's crown prince, born the son of a president and blessed with his father's good looks, charisma and talent. But on July the 16th, 1999, the plane JFK Jr. was piloting mysteriously plunged into the ocean. Was the crash really due to pilot error or something more sinister? 
Let me say that John Kennedy and his sister and later his wife were uncommonly kind to my daughter and to my wife. And uh, this has been a very difficult thing for us personally, as well as because of my position. They are very strong people. And uh, I think they're carrying on as well as any human beings could, but they need the support and prayers of our country. Welcome to Fatal Voyage. John F. Kennedy Jr. Case Solved. I'm your host, Colin McLaren. With 20 years' experience as a detective specialising in homicides, I've dealt with some of the worst crimes and unexplained deaths in my country's history. And now I'm turning my attention to the tragic end of a man many saw as America's crown prince. Was his death really just pilot error? Or something more sinister involved? John, wife Carolyn Bissett Kennedy and her sister Lauren died when he lost control of his small Piper Saratoga plane he was piloting with catastrophic results. 21 years later, people are still asking, how did it happen and why? The murders of John Kennedy Sr. and the murder of Robert Kennedy and the murder of John Kennedy Jr., those are part of a pattern. The right wing murdered John Kennedy Sr., I would argue that the right wing murdered Robert Kennedy and that the right wing murdered John Kennedy Jr. I, like many of us, was just horrified and, and shocked that he was taken away from us so young in July 1999. And right away I had felt that there might be more to the story, just like with his father's death and his uncle's death. And sure enough, there's a lot more than the official version has led us to believe. Over the next 12 episodes, we're going to explore the life and death of John F. Kennedy Jr. We'll see the extraordinary fame and pressure of being the son and heir of John and Jackie Kennedy. Well, I think he had a chance to succeed, but the real question is, did he have a chance to succeed in his own mind? We would maybe say he's a success, but would he say he's a success? And it's pretty tough. He loved his mother. But on the other hand, his mother was one of the most controlling mothers that a, a guy could have. It seems pretty clear. You have a place in history. What else is there if you're John F. Kennedy Jr.? It's not the mayor of New York City. It's to take back Camelot and to be president of the United States. It had been ripped away from him, and it was to take it back, and that would have been his place in history. And we'll see the dangers his birthright brought to him, too. Griselda Blanco, to me, was probably the most ruthless female criminal that this country's ever seen. Our estimates are she was responsible for anywhere from 50 or 100 homicide murders throughout the world. Obviously, like uh, most prisoners, she did not like to be in jail, didn't like the confinement. And they were hatching a plan between her and her new lover in California to kidnap somebody very prominent and return to Columbia. And that person was John F. Kennedy Jr. I think there's a parallel or a similarity between the death of the father and the death of the son. In both cases, there was great unfulfilled potential. We have no idea of what could have happened. To understand the son, however, you need to understand the father and the grandfather, Joe Kennedy. 
At midday on January the 20th, 1961, John F. Kennedy was sworn in as the 35th President of the United States. In his inaugural address, he declared, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. For millions, it was the dawn of a new age. Doug Weed is one of the country's foremost authorities on US presidents. John F. Kennedy is a beloved president, and some historians rank him as a great president. And his rhetoric was soaring and beautiful. You know, we go to the moon not because it's easy, but because it's hard. And there's just so much good about him, and he gives so much hope. Ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. The machinations and manoeuvres behind his ascent to the White House were a little less glorious, to say the least. And the puppet master was JFK's father, old Joe Kennedy. Here's reporter Leon Wagner, who has been close to the Kennedys since the 1970s. Now, the original Kennedy relatives came to the United States from Ireland, and they were broke, and they were treated like third-class citizens. Really shocking how the Irish were looked down upon uh, in those days in America. But Joe Sr. burned with desire to rise above no matter what it took. He was going to get there, he was going to have a big family, and he was going to become a millionaire, and he was going to do it no matter what it took. And he wanted one of his sons to be president of the United States, which would seem like a deranged wish for somebody who comes off of this boat broke and with no prospects of, of making it. Joe Kennedy was also not above using whoever he could to see the White House dreams fulfilled. He was ambitious and he was smart and he was ruthless. And uh, Joe Sr. actually engaged during the uh, Prohibition era in criminal activity, including smuggling whiskey into the United States and selling it with the help of gangsters, including Al Capone. He later engaged in stock fraud and was ruthless and clever enough to get away with it. He became a millionaire without too much trouble, actually. I mean, trouble to deal with, I'm sure, the, the mob at that time, but uh, he managed to maneuver his way through it and extremely successfully. Power blackouts, they happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Goal Zero is the leader in affordable generators and home backup systems. They offer a simple, easy solution for when power blackouts hit so you can keep your home up and running using clean energy. Their systems power critical circuits in your home, which are terrible if they go out like your freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. No fuel, no fumes, no noise, no maintenance, unlike gas generators. 
Not to mention, Goal Zero is portable, so you can take your power on the go as needed for camping, tailgating, and more. And they offer a range of products and affordable price points to meet your needs, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that you can power for one, two, or three days. You can easily monitor and manage your power right from your phone with the Goal Zero app, and they offer best-in-class service with a U.S.-based service team that provides the highest level of technical and customer support. So make sure your power stays on with Goal Zero. Learn more at GoalZero.com. Check out their affordable power stations, solar generators, and home backup systems today. True crime, mysteries, Trying to get to the heart of stories that have more questions than answers is my passion. I feel compelled. It's like moving the pieces of a puzzle together. With each connection, I see more of the bigger picture. That's why I like to play Best Fiends. Best Fiends is an exciting puzzle that challenges your brain while not being too difficult. Perfect for any kind of downtime, Best Fiends lets you collect adorable characters as the story advances from level to level and you don't need an internet connection to play. Plus, they're always putting out new themed challenges, so the game is never boring. I find myself playing Best Fiends whenever I have downtime. With over 100 million downloads, I'm clearly not the only one who's obsessed. As more of my family and friends have started playing, we've gotten into some pretty friendly competitions surrounding our progress in the game, and I'm determined to come out on top. I love that it's a fun reason to keep our text chains going while we're social distancing too. Start playing today. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already, with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips. And you can even play online. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Author Doug Weed has written over 30 books and interviewed no fewer than six presidents and has unrivaled insight into the machinations of the White House. He made his initial money on the stock market, huge amounts of money, and much of his tactics are illegal today. In fact, that was why FDR wanted to put him in charge of the forerunner of the Securities and Exchange Commission who said, Joe Kennedy knows how to do it, so he'd know how to catch the crooks. He used Roosevelt's son, Jimmy Roosevelt, as a partner and traveled all over Europe during the Prohibition, and especially to Ireland and England. And he could get an appointment, because if the secretary said, Joseph Kennedy is out here and wants to see you, they'd say, who's he? But if they said, Jimmy Roosevelt, FDR's son, is out here and wants an appointment, they'd welcome him right in. And he lined up a lot of the big liquor companies, exclusives with them. So when Prohibition was lifted, he had the whiskey and all the alcohol on ship ready to come into port and for the booze to flow as soon as Prohibition was lifted. And that made him a huge fortune. Joe told his children and later his grandchildren that winning was the only thing that mattered and that they had to risk everything, including their lives to do it. And 
those who didn't heed that advice uh, were, were punished by Joe and by his wife Rose as well. If he learned that they had come in second in athletics or academics or just about anything, it meant they were banished from the family dinner table. They, they had to take their meal by themselves in the kitchen. You know, this was a humiliation in a big family like that. And Joe's ambition was not limited to just himself. He was one of the wealthiest men of his lifetime, but he didn't have the power. And that's what he wanted for his son, principally his son, Joe. That was the one that was uh, anointed. But Joe died in World War II on a bombing mission. And so it switched to Jack. When Jack finally became a senator from Massachusetts and then made his run for president, one of the first things Joe did, he turned back to his mob friends in Chicago and asked for their help in getting his son elected president, which they said that they would sure do it. So the evidence is that indeed they may have swayed the vote in districts in Illinois, which may have pushed JFK over the top against uh, Richard Nixon by a slim amount. Did Joe Kennedy really use his mob connections to secure the presidency for his son? Doug Weed has no doubt that the Mafia was instrumental in securing Capitol Hill for the Kennedys. They had helped John F. Kennedy get elected. That's pretty much accepted now. You don't have to be a Democrat or a Republican or pro or anti-Kennedy to accept the fact that the unions in West Virginia helped Kennedy defeat Humphrey in that primary, which helped him win the nomination. And that phone calls were made by President Kennedy's father to help achieve that. And there's just the abundance of FBI transcripts of recorded phone calls. The Mafia certainly believed all of that. However, for 1960s America, the Kennedy presidency was symbolic of the dawning of a new era, the civil rights movement, the Cold War, the space race, the golden age of Hollywood rock and roll, and a president who blew away the stuffy old conventions and ushered in a new, more glamorous White House. While Jackie at the time, and her brother told me actually this, that Jackie thought that Joe was rude and, and crude, and that this promise was kind of a, an insulting kind of thing, as though she was a gold digger. But on the other hand, she, even though she had the credentials of coming from a very, very good family, they didn't have any money. And she wanted money. She wanted the you know, not, not just the trappings of, of aristocracy. She wanted the money. And that was one of the reasons she went for it. She knew that from the day one, she knew that Jack was a, a loose goose and a philanderer because he was simply a ladies' man and, and couldn't help himself. But she decided that it was a, a fair trade and married him. Then when we got in the White House, all the things that I'd always done suddenly became wonderful because anything the first lady does that's different everyone sees us on and i was so happy for jack especially is it now that it was only uh, three years together that he could be proud of me then because you know made him so happy it made me so happy so those were our happiest years 
JFK was president, Jackie as first lady, and the wildly charismatic Bobby Kennedy as attorney general. It was a dynasty that soon became known as Camelot, after the reign of British King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. However, as Doug Weed and Leon Wagner explain, the so-called Camelot era was just another example of the Kennedy spin machine in action. Only this time, JFK and Bobby had joined their father, Joe, in creating legend. Camelot came afterwards. It was a public relations concoction with Teddy White and Jacqueline Kennedy and in her interviews with him and was not commonly used at the time. But it was a nice bet because America loved him and it was perceived as Camelot. The term Camelot actually didn't come up until after Jack died. It was something that when she was writing about the presidency, his late lamented presidency, she decided to use that term, Camelot, because he liked the musical Camelot. There once was a shining time and what have you. So Jack never in life heard the term Camelot referring to his presidency. It wasn't until after. And the press, of course, picked up on that. And um, I mean, they just ate it up from top to bottom. She was great. Jackie was at myth-making. She redecorated the White House for the first time in, since before World War II and spent a fortune of Kennedy money as well as a even bigger fortune of money from donors who wanted to see the White House completely almost gutted and redone in an elegant fashion. She made everything shine. And when you walked into her White House, uh, especially people who had been in the White House in the Roosevelt years and the Truman years, the Eisenhower years, it transformed into something where everything seemed to sparkle. This room's interesting because it has the most architectural unity of any room in the White House. It's really all 1902 when Theodore Roosevelt did the great restoration with Stanford White and his firm, McKinney and White. She had people who literally shined the furniture, who shined the silver constantly. She had the museums in Washington, the National Gallery and the Smithsonian donate some of their finest art to put in the White House, which had never been there before. It became quite something. Every king needs an heir, of course. And just two weeks after his father was elected president, John Jr. was born. Along with his older sister Carolyn, the Kennedys were truly America's first family. But with the eyes of the world focused on the White House, Jackie tried to protect the kids from the pressures that the family name brought. Jackie Kennedy uh, had studied presidential children and she'd come to the conclusion that the most successful presidential children were kept out of the limelight. They would go to Palm Beach, they would go to Camp David, on weekends. They would go to Hyannis Port on weekends. She just did not want to be in the White House. She wanted her kids kept away from that. The president, on the other hand, had more than a little of his own father's political smarts about him. Jack understood the political power of children. So when she was gone, all those pictures we have of Jack Kennedy with his kids, with Caroline and John John, 
those pictures were taken when Jackie was out of the country. On one occasion, he told his secretary, where are the kids? She said, oh, they've already been put to bed. He said, go get them. Get them out of bed. Bring them down here. So we have these delightful pictures of the Kennedy kids scampering around the Oval Office. John Jr.'s wearing his pajamas and a robe, bathrobe, and, and Caroline. And they're delightful, wonderful pictures that never would have happened if Jackie Kennedy had been home. The president had him pulled out of bed to come down and take some pictures. He understood the politics of that. By far, however, the most defining moment of Junior's life came on November the 22nd, 1963, just three days shy of his third birthday. President Kennedy was shot as he drove from Dallas Airport to downtown Dallas. It is reported that three bullets rang out. A Secret Service man was heard to shout from the car, he's dead. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. As Leon Wagner explains, Grandpa Joe's influence was also to affect Junior's life. Now, power blackouts, they happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power, to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. John, growing up in the White House, he was only one, two, and but he was told by his family, by older members of the Kennedy family, Joe Sr.'s rules of behavior. And one of the most important one was the Kennedys don't cry and that they pretend everything is great even when they're dying inside. That's why, even though he was three years old at his father's funeral parade in Washington, that he was a brave soldier. And rather than weeping or clinging to his mother or anything, he stood there by himself famously as his uh, father's funeral parade went by and his father's coffin, which was driven past by a horse, he stood up and saluted. That picture, of course, is engraved in people's heads. I mean, just an incredibly stoic uh, little boy. Obviously, his mother put him up to it, but he had the uh, gumption to, to carry it off. And then some years later, of course, when his uncle, uh, who he was close to, uh, Bobby Kennedy, was also assassinated, he was just as stoic. He didn't show that there were any, you know, that it affected him in any way because it would be not mannish, not Kennedy enough to show any emotions about it.
Here's reporter Leon Wagner. JFK had been shot. And Jackie ordered that he and Caroline be brought over to her mother's house, uh, Janet Arkenclaus, on N Street in Georgetown, and uh, kept there because the White House was obviously in utter chaos, and it would have been obvious that something terrible was going on. So they took him over to Georgetown and with Caroline and got a babysitter to stay with him and with the orders uh, to make sure that neither found out what had happened, despite the fact that, of course, every television station, every radio station, I mean, every, every, it was all anybody was talking about, obviously, that, that terrible day. But the Secret Service uh, felt it, it was fine that they'd be over there, but they were petrified that this might have been a vast conspiracy to kill off the whole family, to take over the government. Who, who knew, you know, at, at this point? So they stationed uh, Secret Service and uh, police and federal agents and FBI all around the, the block of Mrs. Auchincloss mansion. And of course, obviously, they were inside the house as well. And John and Caroline thought there was something strange going on because it just, they weren't used to that kind of activity. I mean, they, they, they were growing up in the White House and obviously there was presence of, of the Secret Service were there. But they weren't in the family quarters constantly. And, you know, they, they tried to stay out of the way of the family especially of the kids. and But here they were going everywhere. And uh, Caroline asked the babysitter what was going on. And uh, he said, oh, it's, it's nothing. They're, they're just uh, uh, being cautious. He didn't think, he told me that he didn't think that she bit on that. She was convinced that there was something that she wasn't being told. John, on the other hand, was pretty oblivious. But uh, he wandered into the kitchen of, uh, of his grandmother's house, and there was a Secret Service man uh, standing at the counter uh, with a television on. And um, they were obviously talking about the assassination. So he ran over and just almost pushed the Secret Service man out of the way and um, turned off the television, pulled it out, actually pulled the cord out of the wall because I mean, Jackie was incredibly adamant as you can imagine uh that she be the one to tell her children not that they hear it on television or hear it from anybody else must have been an, an incredibly difficult day i would have hated to have been the uh, the babysitter at that point for a child losing a father at such a tender age is a tragedy if your father happens to be the president of the united states and the whole world is watching you grieve so the tragedy worsens. But for John Jr., knowing his father was murdered and then growing up in a storm of intrigue, plots and power plays about exactly who did it and why, the pressure must have been unbearable. And the wild conspiracy theories began immediately. Here's JFK historian John Hankey. There were parts of the government that were involved in the murder of John F. Kennedy and the Pentagon flaunted their involvement. The Pentagon wanted Lyndon Johnson to know that they had been involved in the murder of JFK. The Central Intelligence Agency wanted Johnson to know that they had been involved in the murder of John Kennedy. 
they killed John Kennedy so that they could make war in Vietnam. They killed John Kennedy because he was resisting the war in Vietnam. The right wing murdered John Kennedy Sr. as a warm up for the Vietnam War in order to make it so that when they told Johnson, if you don't do this, we will kill you, so that Johnson would believe it because he had been 30 feet away and saw the spray of brains from Kennedy's head. Author John Corner, who has written best-selling books on both JFK and JFK Jr., also believes the CIA were behind the killing. And there is motive there. They had the means to do so. So it, it makes sense. It seems to me that the, the most likely people that would have wanted him dead because of his policies for peace in Laos, peace in Vietnam, and the drug trade in Southeast Asia, what they're making so much money off of. There's so many reasons that they did want him gone. The popular theory has it that JFK was killed by the Mafia after his botched Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba and Bobby's anti-organised crime campaign, seen as a betrayal of promises made by Joe Kennedy in return for securing the White House for his son in the first place. There is the theory that he was assassinated by the Mafia, and there's a lot of evidence that confirms that. And there's the connection with uh, Ruby and the Mafia. There's the fact that the Mafia was recorded uh, saying they were going to assassinate him. There was the motive, the fact that they had been betrayed. They also liked public hits. The purpose of that with the Mafia was to show you that there's no safety. If the Mafia targets you, it, it doesn't matter how publicly you're followed and celebrated, they can get you right in front of national television, they can get you. So so there's that mafia story. It's a very plausible, convincing story. For Doug Weed, the truth may be even more terrifying. The big thing to come out, to me, out of the batch of released documents by the Trump administration about the Kennedy assassination and the Warren Commission was the statement by J. Edgar Hoover who said the public must never know or see the truth behind the Kennedy assassination. The public must never know that. Why would J. Edgar Hoover not want us to know what would be so damaging to America? Here's my belief. I believe that after the assassinations, attempts on Fidel Castro that the Soviet Union had to do something. The Soviet Union could not allow the United States to assassinate Fidel Castro. They're going to try again and again and again. They, they had to do something in retaliation. So my theory, based on what I know about the KGB and how it operates and how our intelligence operates, I believe that some small cell within the KGB developed uh, a plan to assassinate John F. Kennedy, and they recruited Lee Harvey Oswald to do it. And what's our false flag? Our false flag is the mafia. We'll claim that this is a mafia attempted assassination because uh, they felt betrayed, because Robert Kennedy is going after the mafia, even though they helped John F. Kennedy get elected. and. They worked for the U.S. government to attempt an assassination of Castro. And so 
Therefore, the mafia is the false flag. The country will be told and will believe that the mafia attempted or did the assassination of JFK and it will really be us. Because if the American people thought that Kennedy had been assassinated, even if it was a rogue event that they couldn't call back, that they had launched and then couldn't stop, and it was accidental, if that had happened, the American people would have wanted war with the Soviet Union. And J. Edgar Hoover thought it's better for the American people not to know, and let's just let this go, and there will be no war with the Soviet Union. Who killed JFK? 58 years later, the debate rages on. What seems undeniable is that regardless of whether it was the Mafia or the Kremlin or a wayward shot from a Secret Service weapon or just Lee Harvey Oswald acting alone, what followed was a well-orchestrated cover-up of the facts. And that's the real issue here, hiding the truth. Here's noted forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht. In August of 1972, I was the first non-governmental, related non-government sponsored French pathologist given access to the JFK materials. When Cyril Wecht examined those forensic materials, he made a startling discovery. The president's brain was missing. Nobody had bothered to report it before from the government, of course, and it remains missing to this day. So you'll see in the report, they went back, I think December 6th, two weeks later, and the statement is made, serial sections of the brain are not made in order to preserve the specimen. Preserve the specimen for whom? For Jackie Kennedy's mantelpiece? For her, for her children or grandchildren? They knew, obviously, if they sectioned the brain, it would show that Kennedy had been hit in the brain uh, two times. One's from the rear and one's from the uh, right front behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll. And no question in my mind that JFK absolutely, unquestionably, a cover-up. The two pathologists who did the autopsy on John F. Kennedy, Humes and Boswell, career naval pathologists, had never done a single gunshot wound autopsy in their entire professional careers. I will repeat that. Had never done one single gunshot wound autopsy in their entire careers. The cover-up, and who was really responsible for his father's death, was to consume JFK Jr. for the rest of his life. Here's John Corner. Well, all this really began when he was 17 years old. And this is in his high school years. And this is in the late 70s. And he's doing his own research. He reads the books, you know, written at that time. There are some other reports that have come out in Saturday Evening Post, an article about, you know, there being three assassins. So he, he was well-versed in, in the research on it. He hired his own investigator, too, in the 1980s. He talked about it with his family members privately. That was one of his life goals, to account the men who killed his father. So this was part of his life's goal. And if he became president or even a senator, he would have mechanisms of power behind him to do just that. John F. Kennedy Jr. would want to know what happened to his father because he loved his father and he loved his mother and he loved the family and because it was ripped away from him. Certainly the next best thing to taking it back would be to expose the truth and bring to light the people who had ripped it away. 
and how and why it had been ripped away. For him to bring some closure to that story would be uh, a great accomplishment. He knew that Bobby had hired a um, lawyer and a congressional investigator to look over all the details and all the papers with a fresh eye. Then he died, of course, Bobby, and that was more or less the, the end of the investigation. But John got a hold of the investigation that Bobby had ordered, and he read it, and he said that his uh, jaw dropped, uh, that it was convincing evidence that it may have been an inside job from a rogue group in the government, and that it was in, in fact a plot and that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a bit player in it, in effect. He wanted to, with his own money, he was going to reopen the investigation. That's when he died. That was obviously the end of it. But yeah, John died believing that his father had been killed in a conspiracy. He had no doubt in his mind about that. And also, we can point out that in March of 99, George published an article by Oliver Stone that was talking about how the agency killed his father. So just a couple of months before his plane crash, there was this article in George magazine that pointed to the agency and the assassination. So this, this shows right away that J.K. Jr. knows who killed his father. If he ever got to be in power, they could be a clear target to be exposed to the truth. So then just a few months later, of course, you have the plane crash. Next time on Fatal Voyage, John F. Kennedy Jr. case solved, fighting a family curse. There have been a death in the Kennedy family nearly exactly every two years. That sort of sounds like a curse to me, but like I say, it's a, a curse that they, to some degree, brought upon themselves by risky behavior. The real trauma is not the White House. The real problem for them in life is establishing a separate identity from their parents. Their father's president of the United States, and the question is, who am I? The Death of JFK Jr. is hosted by myself, Colin McLaren. It's executive produced by Dylan Howard and Matt Sprouse and is a production of Broad and Water Studios and Endeavour Audio. Executive producers also include Tom Freestone, James Robertson and Andy Tillett and the series is written by Dominic Utton. Reporting by Douglas Montero, the series is mixed and engineered by Sean Kravitz and Sam Adder. There is so much more to this story and you don't want to miss anything, I can assure you. Make sure you subscribe to Fatal Voyage the Death of JFK Jr. wherever you get your podcasts.